0: Hi, I'm Tobias Zimmergren. Welcome to the Tech Talk Show. Throughout this podcast, you'll be able to listen to the latest happenings and updates from the community, along with interviews with industry experts talking about their favorite technologies. In this episode, I'm catching up with a friend and Microsoft MVP, Mark Rackley. We're talking a bit about Mark's experiences with client-side development in SharePoint and some general tips and tricks to think about when approaching client-side dev. All right. Hey, Mark Rackley, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thanks. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Speaking client-side development and how it's changed a lot since we both started working with SharePoint back in the day, for anyone who doesn't know what client-side development entails in SharePoint, would you mind just elaborating a bit to clarify what is client-side development in general and how does it differ today today? from a few years back when we were working with solutions on-prem and things like that.
1: Sure. So client-side development, the two basic things people talk about is managed code that runs on your server, and then client-side development, which is basically code running on your client device, which could be your phone, your laptop, your desktop, whatever that client is that is consuming the application. And the thing about client-side development, it's got restrictions over that managed code development since you're not deployed to the server. So you don't have as much access as you do to the server. And you also typically use things like JavaScript for client-side development instead of .NET or other managed code.
0: Right. And that might actually be a good thing with the permission levels that the code doesn't absolutely cannot do whatever it wants on the servers, right? Right,
1: right. For client-side code, that JavaScript executes with the same permissions as the user who's currently logged in. Uh, So that script can't elevate permissions, which is a good thing because then people could just inject script into your page whenever they wanted to and blow your site away. So that's actually a good thing.
0: All right. So... I mean, how does client-side development, because I know you used a lot of jQuery and, and I've used that to modify forms. I use that to modify, you know, different objects in, in the object model or the, the document object model. How does it differ today how you do your client-side development versus how you used to do it, even if you back in the day were using JavaScript? Is there like any big differences from SharePoint 2007 when you did JavaScript there and how you can do JavaScript today?
1: So that's kind of a, A trick question from my standpoint, because um, I really got thrown into client-side development back with SharePoint 2007. And this was back before we had Sandbox Solutions. This was back before we had an add-in model, back before we had the SharePoint Framework. So your your options for doing client-side development were very limited back then. And back then, uh, I would use the uh, content editor web part to inject script on a page to make it do what I wanted to do. And I had a large project that I had to do for a government agency where we did that, and it worked out really well. And it turned out that those same techniques translated over to 2010 well. And the scripts I wrote for 2007 upgraded to 2010 well. And the same thing for 2013. And when Office 365 came out, those things worked really well in Office 365. And it's also a very easy way for people with not a deep technical background to start doing client-side development. So they can, you know, write a script in Notepad, upload it to a document library, and then reference it in a content editor web part. And they've got some great functionality on their page. And that's without ever opening Visual Studio or any development tool. So I've still to this day, when it makes sense, we'll use a content editor web part and reference a script and document library. However, like you said, they're making things have been changing. We did have uh, the addition of the add-in model, which you can also use for SharePoint hosted apps to write your JavaScript in a more managed uh, way using Visual Studio. And then just recently, they came out with the SharePoint framework, which takes basically takes the entire process that we used to do in a content editor web part, and then makes it much more manageable using open source tooling like Node and uh, Yeoman and all those other open source tools for the environment to do that in. So it's it's been, a, within the past year, the, the changes going on are just incredibly drastic.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like all this node and, and using Yeoman templating and things like that, scaffolding up your project. It's the web development community has been doing that for a while, but it wasn't really possible in SharePoint for a big time. And now all of a sudden we can do that. And with the evolvement of the APIs in SharePoint and Office 365, it kind of invites any web developer to build on SharePoint rather than having to have that specific SharePoint domain knowledge, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And um, with the the way they keep adding to the the APIs, you know, you really don't have to be the SharePoint expert. You used to have to be to write server-side code, right? Now you can take that OpenStack developer who's comfortable with that tooling and get them up and running in SharePoint faster than you could before.
0: Yeah. Speaking about that new kind of skill set. If you're a traditional SharePoint developer, like myself, I'm coming from SharePoint 2003, 2007, all the way up, and I was also heavily involved with developing on the servers and solutions. And I've upgraded a lot of my skills to, you know, the new type of SharePoint framework and client side development using the REST APIs, but what would be your recommendations or your main takeaways for anyone that either want to upgrade their skill or getting started with client-side development on top of SharePoint and Office 365?
1: That's a great question. For those traditional .NET developers, it's going to be quite a uh, change for them, and people really hate change. In fact, if you, uh, you look at some people complaining about the framework, most people are complaining about The tooling, the new tooling they have to get used to, the new way they have to do things. You you see less complaints about the actual implementation of the functionality. It's about getting up and going in the first place. You know, the number one thing I can tell those traditional .NET folks is you've just got to accept it's going to be different. I mean, this is, like you said, there's a whole world out there that have embraced these tools a long time ago. It's not what you're used to doing, but get past it. Uh, Andrew Connell told me once that don't get caught up in the tooling. Don't let that be your barrier to it. Just accept it. I mean, it's doing the same thing we are doing in Visual Studio, only Visual Studio is not doing it for us now uh, behind the scenes. We've got to manually do a lot of these processes to build our projects. He's also come out with a, a development course on his new uh, site, Voitanos, that will help people come up to speed on those new toolings as well. And I know that you guys I have a lot of blog posts as well talking about the SharePoint framework. I mean, so there's a, there's a ton of content out there. If you do just do some searching on the SharePoint framework to get up to speed faster, so it's just kind of give, give into it a little bit and accept the way things are without being too upset of, of a change, and your life will be a lot easier.
0: Yeah, I would say the key takeaway is learn the tooling don't expect Visual Studio to do everything at this point, but learn the tooling. And if you know the tooling, then everything else is just standard development, just a different API, different endpoint, but it's still, you work towards an endpoint using JavaScript or whatever you do, and that's gonna be the same. But if you get over that, like you say, the tooling, that barrier might be less frightening, if you will, because that's how I felt, at least when I started with the SharePoint framework, Installing Node, installing this package manager, what is that? And yeah, man, how do you do that? But after working with it for a while, it makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, and you know, the thing about me, I've been writing code for more years than I like to think about now. You know, I have a .NET background. I have a Java background. And a good litmus test for me is, do I need to ask for help? And when I jumped into the SharePoint framework, I had to ask for help. It's not going to be common sense if you've never done it before. So don't expect to be able to just fire it up, use it, and be able to change it how you want to. You're going to have to invest some time in learning the tooling and learning how things are built.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Speaking about not only tooling, but things that you can customize in SharePoint. I know this is a topic you know a lot about, and it's a big topic with customizing, for example, master pages, which with the new SharePoint framework, maybe you do some web parts implementations, maybe you can deploy a custom action. But when it comes to master pages, that is a sensitive topic for a lot of people who use it to inject scripts and things like that. And it's changed a lot since SharePoint 2007, where the birth of real customizations really, in my opinion, came to life. And that landscape has changed a lot since then. And I know people are still developing new master pages. They're customizing the -the out-of-the-box ones, and therefore they might break up credibility if they're rolling in the cloud in SharePoint Online. What's your take on specifically master pages and customizing them and adding scripts like you have your client-side development tool set? Will you still be customizing those master pages?
1: Well, the thing is with with the new modern sites, you know, there is no branding story, right? And there's no we don't know what that branding story is going to be. And I don't think we should rely on master pages being there for those modern sites. So if you were relying on those master pages to get your scripts on the page, that may not be an option for you. It's not today. If you go, if you use a modern site and typically you want to not, I don't want to say never change a master page because we have those clients who have to have, their brand on the site they have to have some changes made and I think that that's just where it's really important that you hire an expert at branding SharePoint because they're going to know what they can tweak in that master page without breaking your site so it'll still work well on SharePoint Online even that look at should you be changing the master page so instead of using script references in my master page, I recommend using custom actions because that's just a, a supported approach to get those script references, to reference a script for your site or site collection. There's several ways you can do it. Uh, Waldeck has a great blog post on using the uh, the added model, I think, to deploy a custom action. Uh, you can use no-code sandbox solutions. You can use PowerShell. But using custom actions, those are supported on the modern sites to get the scripts referenced.
0: Right. So... Try to avoid master pages to the extent possible, especially if you start a new project or if you are if you don't have any customizations, there's really no reason. And Microsoft normally recommends you not to customize them, especially if you're in SharePoint Online, because if they roll a new update to a master page and you customized it, you're not going to get the update.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, instead of editing those master pages, look at just doing things like, doing things that are supported, right? Creating a custom page layout that can handle most of your branding needs for a page. You know, look at using the themes, look look at what you can do that's not going to screw things up for you later. Right.
0: So what monster pages, they exist in the classic mode still. If you go to modern, you should try to avoid them. But I know there's an even more sensitive topic than that, and that's forms. I know this is a huge topic and would require really its own show, its own episode in its entirety to be covered properly. But speaking about forums, which I know you know a lot about, what is the deal here today? Can you do anything with forums and client side or, you know, InfoPath being not really developed anymore as a, as an alternative for, for SharePoint? You can still use the current version of InfoPath, of course, but, you know, what is the option you have for forums and... Specifically, as a client-side dev, if you want to customize or create your own forms, what options do you have?
1: Yeah, that's a great topic. And for the record, it's no secret that I can't stand InfoPath. And it just won't die, right? It's like this zombie that won't die. And I urge everybody to stop using InfoPath and start looking for that next form solution. You know, I know Microsoft has extended the life of InfoPath to what? Is it like 2026 now or something like that? But what that tells me, I mean, you can tell me if you disagree with this, but what that tells me is that there is not going to be a way to migrate off of InfoPath because when you come to Microsoft in 2026 and you say, hey, I need to migrate all my InfoPath forms, they're going to say we gave you 13 years to get off the platform You should have not been using it for the past 13 years. So by the fact that they've extended support that long tells me there's not going to be a migration path and that you need to get off of it and find a new platform now. But as far as what your options are, I mean, do you disagree with that? Do you think that's because they haven't said that, but that's just kind of what I what I sense about the the topic. Yes.
0: So so I know that that is a complex topic and that might be the case that they will not offer a, a solution for it. I know there's. Things like Flow and you have power apps for building your lightweight type of apps and forms. You can use Access Online, if you will, or Access Services, but it doesn't really replace what used to exist in, in
1: InfoPath. Exactly. Yeah, so the options for actually customizing forms. Well, you know, classic mode, uh, you can do things like inject script onto your SharePoint default forms using the same approach of content editor web part and you can totally change the way those forms works. And that works really well because you can visually change what the user sees so you can format it how you want it to look. You can add business logic to do conditional formatting, to do business rules. Uh, You can even hook into uh, the pre-save item function to do some processing before the form submits. So you can do a lot of stuff, but that's in classic view. On the modern pages, for the modern forms, uh, those are now created using React. So the entire layout of the forms is totally different. And currently, there's no way to inject script on those pages. So you can't modify the forms with script at this point. I don't know if that's even going to come. But like you said, kind of the future of forms is going to be Power Apps. In fact, Teeper said at a conference last year that Flow and Power Apps is the future of instead of InfoPath and SharePoint designer, but they're not as feature rich as those tools and they may never be as feature rich as those tools. So if you're still looking for other form solutions, I have a biased opinion. I wrote a a free tool called Stratus Forms, and what Stratus Forms is, it's a totally client side based form creation tool where you can create forms with HTML and JavaScript, and then it will write that data back to a SharePoint list or read it from a SharePoint list and display the form. But because it's completely client-side based, you can actually create Stratus Forms forms using the SharePoint framework to get those forms onto the modern sites and the modern pages and still get all the complexity you really need in those forms. And of course, there's the paid tools like K2 and Nintex for your forms as well. So you do have forms options.
0: I've seen Stratus forms that you built as well, and I've tried it out. And it kind of bridges that gap between InfoPath and all those major players for the major form solutions that might not always be required. Those are great for a lot of scenarios, but there has to be something in between for someone to quickly and easily... Just customize a form. It's a very, very simple requirement, but it's very common one. I want exactly. to customize a form to look and behave exactly as I expect it to. That's it, period. And that does that. So it bridges that gap perfectly.
1: Yeah, and that was, that was my plan, so I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> awesome. So that's the story for forms and, and customizing forms with client-side. What about... Injecting stuff or the document object model, the HTML that you have on a page in SharePoint. We're traditionally very used to customizing with jQuery and various types of scripting. And I know there are some caveats with this, especially today, if you want the modern experience, like we brushed on with the custom actions versus master pages. And if you want your pages to work reliable on the mobile, which a modern page today is by default, or a modern site is by default mobile-friendly or enabled for mobile, what risks do you have if you start customizing by injecting scripts, even if it's a custom action or something else where you have an option to actually add scripts? Are there any risks with manipulating the the DOM or the document object model on those modern pages?
1: Yeah, and I would say that the risk is probably greater than it is today on the modern pages because of that that SharePoint mobile application. You may be able to, well, currently you can't have a content editor web part on the mobile sites, but, you know, technically you could create a content editor web part with the SharePoint framework. So (laughs) you can still get that same functionality where you could totally manipulate the page how you want to in the modern pages. Maybe you spend two weeks on it and it looks perfect on the website because you've manipulated the DOM just how you wanted to. Well, I would bet money that's not going to work in the SharePoint mobile app. That mobile app is looking for specific... Elements to function the way it needs to function, and if you go messing with the DOM, you stand a great risk of actually breaking that SharePoint mobile app. So it's it's just it's one of those things that you really need to be careful with what you're doing. It's I use the term you know it's not the Wild West of SharePoint development anymore. There are rules we need to follow to help make sure we get the best experience on all devices. It's not just about the web page anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what we've been saying for a long time. You know, don't break your customizations because that will break SharePoint. So, okay, I think that's actually a good approach with thinking about the mobile, especially since mobile first is a big thing with Microsoft today. Because I know a lot of people who's customizing their pages, not specifically modern team sites, but in general in SharePoint, they are never or very seldom testing for the mobile. They just test the browsers, different browser stacks, and that works, and they're happy with that but with the modern team sites being natively mobile friendly and and supported of mobile i think that's a very good tip to keep in mind that you might otherwise miss not knowing that the mobile pages or the mobile rendering is actually looking for specific things in the dom so this whole modern approach in modern team sites what if i want to keep the classic sites and i want to keep modifying and customizing them can i do that and is it a good idea obviously i would say not for the reasons we already brushed upon. But can I opt out of the rolling, the rollout of modern team size and lists? And would it be okay? Or are we breaking some of Microsoft's recommendations by stepping back and saying, I want to remain on on classic mode?
1: That's probably gonna be a little bit of a religious debate, I would say for some people, right? There are people who've gotten so much functionality created using these client-side techniques. And they're looking at the fact that it's not going to work in the modern sites. And a lot of people don't like the modern sites. And again, a lot of it's because of that change, but currently the modern sites aren't as, full, aren't as fully functional as the classic sites. So you can actually specify in your admin panel in Office 365 that you want to have the classic or modern experience. And you can also specify their settings in your library settings on your uh, listen libraries to say you want classic versus modern views of those. If you do accidentally switch to classic mode, All you have to do is clear your cookies because that's just setting a cookie saying that you're in the modern view now. And you know, Microsoft has said they have no plans to get rid of classic view. I mean, they've stated that multiple times now. And what that really says to me is that they're looking at the telemetry. They're seeing how many people are using classic view and how many people are using the modern view. And if that telemetry ever makes sense to them to switch and get rid of classic view, it wouldn't surprise me if they did someday. So I tell people, if you like classic view, Make sure you switch to classic view. Let let that telemetry show that you are still using it and you still need it because uh, there are reasons to keep it, right, for those customization reasons that we don't have those customization options currently in the modern stuff.
0: Yeah, and in general, I actually think the whole approach with the modern Teams ads and modern list and kind of follow suit with what Microsoft said already a few years ago, you know, less customizations is better try not to customize too many things and specifically like master pages like we mentioned and, and things like that. It's like you say, it's a religious debate whether you should keep classic and do all your customizations the way you used to do or embrace the modern team sites and let go of the control of most of those customization and, and actually use the product that rolls out and get those updates.
1: Yeah, and as a developer, it hurts to, to lose that control because it's fun to get in there and do what you want to do. And it's it's hard to back away from that and just say no we we shouldn't be doing that
0: yeah as a developer that might be the case but in the end there has to be a use case for those customizations for the customer and the benefit of of the customer and i guess that's where the big question lies is is it going to make more sense if we customize it or is it going to make more sense if we go with the rolling updates from from microsoft and that's also something you can debate until eternity of course absolutely yeah so I mean, many things have changed since we started with SharePoint back in the day. And the key takeaway for myself is keep your customizations under control, specifically with client-side now being the new black. There's no bigger threat to your upgradeability, stability, and security than customizations just running wild in your environment. And that goes for both on-prem and in the cloud. But what about you? If you were to list a few key takeaways for people customizing SharePoint, Using client-side development techniques, what would they think about in general?
1: Again, it kind of goes to what are your long-term goals? Do you want to go to SharePoint Online if you're not there today? Do you want to embrace these new modern team sites? Um, And if your goal is SharePoint Online and these modern team sites, then you really need to look at changing the way you're doing things today, right? You need to look at using the SharePoint framework. You've got to, you have to get out of your master pages and stop making changes to your master pages and adding the script references there uh you know you can't modify those sharepoint forms anymore so it's if that's the approach you want to take you've got to make some changes today to get ready for that in fact i've got a blog post that i'm posting this week about five things you should probably stop doing if you want to embrace the modern team sites and quickly those are you should you shouldn't be editing your pages in sharepoint designer And I, in fact, I think that's, you know, no matter what, you should not be editing any of your pages in SharePoint designer because it's, it just opens up so many problems. If you do that, adding script references to master pages, modifying those default forms by injecting script, manipulating the DOM, like we talked about, if we're in there changing the page too much, it's going to break your mobile view in the mobile app. You need to look at getting out of content editor web parts, even, and going to those SharePoint framework client web parts. Because, I mean, those client-side devs are going to get some great benefits out of the SharePoint framework that they don't have if they use a content editor or web part. I have people all the time who come into my blog and they'll copy scripts from three or four blogs, throw them on a page, and the page just blows up. And they leave comments in my blog saying, oh, your script doesn't work. It's because they didn't understand what they were doing. With the framework, it's going to give them more control and it's going to give them script isolation so they're not stepping over other scripts on the page. I mean, it's also going to keep non-developers from writing client web parts, which is actually a good thing because it, it stops people from just throwing things on a page, having the page build up and contact support. So it's just some things you can do there.
0: Right. Cool. Yeah, those are some great tips. And speaking of that blog post, when, when that's published, I'm going to put that in the show notes so people can access that as well.
1: Excellent. Thank you.
0: So is there anything else? I think I've brushed all of the things I had in my mind do you have anything else you'd like to share about the client-side dev story?
1: I think the future of cloud development, is still, it's client-side dev. Well, it was the future. It's kind of the present now, right? It's its a, a skill. It's already here. Yeah. And uh, I remember back when I was doing it in 2009, people were like laughing at me. I now get to laugh at them. But hey.
0: Yeah, Luke is laughing now, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a skill that it's going to carry you out even outside of SharePoint, right? It's because of the new tooling, because of the new APIs, you're no longer just a SharePoint developer. You are now a client side developer. You are this, what they say, full stack client side developer. You can take these skills outside of SharePoint. You can now hire people who don't know SharePoint and get them up to speed quicker. So if you don't have these skills, these are great skills to invest in. So so look at things like learning JavaScript and jQuery and learning TypeScript so you can take full advantage of the SharePoint framework. Dig into the SharePoint framework and break it. You're not going to hurt your farm, just you're going to be hurting a web part. So play around. Don't be scared to try things.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And there's a lot of resources specifically on the SharePoint framework now, both from Office Dev PMP. and p We have Waldick in our team who's blogging like a machine, just blog post after blog post on how to do that stuff. Um, I think that's a good requirement. Just hit it, create a sandbox for yourself or a playground, whatever, and just get over that threshold you mentioned before with the tooling and start playing around with it. And then you have all the modern tools you need for for modern SharePoint client-side development, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And like I said, Waldeck's a great resource. He, he really helped me get over some early hurdles. And again, Andrew Connell has his course over at Voitanos and I actually have a session that I've created that I'm going to start presenting. And that session is going to walk you through the process of converting one of those content editor web parts customizations to the SharePoint framework. Yeah, so I'll be looking for that at the conferences that they actually let me speak at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'll put your blog and whatever sources you have for, for those articles you mentioned you're going to be publishing and, and if you publish your session as well, I'll put that in show notes so, so people can download and, and go look in your blog as well.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: So with that said, Mark, thank you a lot for joining us today for the show and thanks for the insights. And I hope to catch you again soon for this show or otherwise, I guess I'll see you at the next conference somewhere around the globe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to, for having me, Tobias. I greatly appreciate having the opportunity.
0: Yeah, anytime. All right. right. See you next time. Take care. That concludes yet another episode of Ranker Tech Talks. Thanks again to Mark for his time. And thank you to everyone who tuned in to listen. Find out more about Mark and his experiences in the client-side development world by checking out the links in the show notes.